Thank you for accessing this audio resource from Glad Tidings Church. This is Pastor Tim Rice. I hope you enjoy the message and receive some benefit from it. If you do, please let us know. Send your comments to info at gladtidings.church. Now, here's this week's message. If you have your Bibles this morning, would you take them out now? Would you open them up to the book of Exodus? And this morning, as we return to the book of Exodus, we're actually going to turn to Exodus chapter 5, which actually contains the first confrontation between Moses and Pharaoh. And so you know that up to this point, uh, Moses was born in Egypt. He had to flee from Egypt because he tried to deliver God's people in his own power through his own plan. And so he had to flee. He spent 40, uh, 40 years in the wilderness. God visited him out there, showed himself to him, called him to go back to Egypt. And now uh, Moses has returned to Egypt, and this is the first um, record of, or the record of the first confrontation between Moses and Pharaoh after Moses returns to Egypt. And as we do this, as we read these verses this morning, uh, it will be helpful to you to keep in mind, I think just a little important a little bit, for you to keep in mind this morning that this is not the same Pharaoh that Moses had known. Remember, uh, this is not the same Pharaoh that Moses had been raised in his household. This is not the same Pharaoh that had sought Moses' wife. This is a different Pharaoh, different king of Egypt that did not know Moses. Um, and so I, it's just important, I think, to keep in mind. Remember that Pharaoh, the Pharaoh that Moses had known and whose household he had grown up, had sought to kill Moses, but when he had, uh, but he had died, which I suppose was of some comfort uh, to Moses when he and Aaron stood before, they presented themselves to, to this Pharaoh to deliver the ultimatum that God had given to Moses to give to the king of Egypt, all right? So Exodus chapter 5, beginning in verse number 1. So afterward, this is after he met with Aaron and they met with the leaders of Israel. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and they said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three-day three journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the swords. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens. The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, you shall not give the people straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they have made in the past, you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, let us go and offer sacrifice to our gods. Let heavier work be laid on the men that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, your word to us. God, we know that already it is inspired, which means it's living and it's active. It's able to convict us. It's able to correct us. It is good for instruction 
and it is completely reliable, God. So we pray that you'd give us ears to hear what you want to say to us this morning. Grant, Lord, with that a corresponding measure of faith, God, so that we might believe. I pray that, Lord, you would anoint me to preach so that my words would not hinder, but that they might help the work of the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that you would encourage each person here today with the truth that you are the Lord and that you keep your covenants. And no matter, no matter how your enemies might try to oppose you and no matter how we might be tempted to doubt you, we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, your only Son, our Savior, and all God's people said amen. 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 Now, God had told Moses... Um, we've already talked about this. God had already had told Moses, go back to Egypt for all the men who are seeking your life are dead. They're gone. And he said, and when you go back to Egypt, you shall say to Pharaoh, Israel is my firstborn son. Let my son go that he may serve me. So this initial confrontation follows pretty much that, that basic pattern, that basic script that God had already given to Moses, and Pharaoh flatly refuses to do what God has told him uh, that he ought to do. Now, Moses should not have been surprised. In fact, there's no indication that he is surprised that Pharaoh says uh, no, because God had already warned Moses. Remember, he said, you go and you say this to Pharaoh, and oh, by the way, Pharaoh's going to say no, because I'm going to harden his heart. So God had already warned Moses, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will not let the people go. However, that is not to say that Pharaoh was not disappointed that Pharaoh said uh, no. I'm sure that he went into that confrontation and he knew what God had said, but it would have been hard not to hope that maybe, you know, maybe I can go in, get, deliver this ultimatum, and maybe Pharaoh will say, okay, Sure, you know, well, I'm going to let the people go. So maybe he was, he was disappointed because maybe he had hope that it could be that easy. I'm just going to go in. God's called me. I'm going to go in and tell him what God said, and he's just he's going to do what God has required. After all, why, when you think about it, I mean, why shouldn't it have been that easy? Why shouldn't it have been that easy? If, if that was what God wanted... And um, Moses did what God had told him to do, then, then why couldn't Pharaoh have just said yes in, instead of no? I mean, if, if God could harden Pharaoh's heart, if God can harden somebody's heart, then isn't it possible that God can also soften a person's heart as well? So why shouldn't it have been that easy? Uh, well, and that's a, frankly, that's a dilemma that we will sometimes face, isn't it? Why, why does it seem, sometimes, why does it seem so hard to obey God? Couldn't, I mean, couldn't God just make it easy <laughs> for us? Couldn't he just make it easy for us to obey? Couldn't he make it easy for us to, to serve him? And then if, think about it. If God, had, if God made it easy for, for us to obey, God made it easy for everyone, then, then everyone would want to serve him, wouldn't they? If God just made it easy. And to be honest, 
That's sometimes what we try to tell unbelievers, isn't it? Serving God, just it makes your life so much easier. It makes your life so much better. And, and it's also what we want to believe also, that serving God just makes everything better. It makes everything easier. And listen, and it is true on, on many levels. How many knows that is absolutely true? Amen? A person will never experience uh, joy. A person will never experience true peace. A person will never experience or know God's true purpose for their life until they recognize their need for forgiveness from God, until they surrender their life to Jesus Christ, and, and until they accept God's work of grace in their life. So on many levels, that's true. Uh, Life, God does make life better. He does like make life easier. He does make life uh, better for us. However, we also know this. We also know that there are moments when we are left to wonder, why, why does this have to be so hard? Why does this have to be so uh, difficult? I, I did, I, I think I did what I was supposed to do. I heard God's voice, I read God's word, I understand what God wants, I did what God asked, I obey God, and still, uh, and still it just doesn't seem to be working. It's hard and, and it's difficult. I wonder this morning, have you, ever, have you ever felt that way before? That you, you feel like I've done the right things, God. I did what you asked me to do. I know this is what you want, so I obeyed your voice, and so why is it, why is it not working? Why is it not uh, easier than it has to be? I know I've told you this story before, but uh, in my first church, uh, I went through some, some difficulty there. I went to my presbyter, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm going through this experience in my church. I don't understand it. Can you help me? Give me some wisdom how to handle this. And he patted me on the back, and he said, he was a man of God, a great man of God. And... Uh, but he said, he patted me on the back and he said, brother, he said, just preach and pray. Just preach and pray. And, um, and I understand the wisdom in that. But what I, wanted to, what I wanted to say to him that day was, that's what I am doing. <laughs> I am preaching and I am praying and uh, it's not working. It's, you know, something's got to change. And so I'm, probably you felt that way before. God, I, I'm not. I believe I know what you want. And God, I've heard your voice, and, and I'm trying to do what you've told me to do. God, I'm, I'm to the best of my ability, I'm obeying you, and still it, does, it just doesn't seem to be working. There's no indication that Moses was surprised, like I said, that Pharaoh said no. He was expecting that. However, he is shaken when not only does Pharaoh say no, um, but actually, things suddenly go from bad to worse. Have you ever, ever experienced that before, too? <laughs> go from bad uh, to worse. So what does Pharaoh do? He says, no, I'm not going to let the children of Israel go. Who is, who is God? I don't know this God. I'm Pharaoh, and I say no. In fact, not only are you, can you not go out and serve the Lord, but i tell you what I'm going to do. You guys are so idle. You want to go and have a holiday 
So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. You're going to have to gather the straw that you use to make the bricks that you're already making. Now, previously, we assumed that that straw was provided for them, and so they made the bricks. And so Pharaoh said, if you've got extra time that you just want to go on holiday, then I'll tell you what, you go gather the straw for yourself and still make the same number of bricks. And so things went from bad to worse. Um, and then we're not going to read all of this, but then in verses 10 through 14, what happens is uh, Pharaoh's taskmasters and the foremen of the people, they then begin to enforce this order on the people of Israel. And they say, okay, now you've got to go out and get straw for yourself and you've got to make bricks, but you've got to make the same number of bricks. And in fact, when they fail to meet their quotas, when they fail to meet their goals, they punish them and they begin to, begin to beat them in verses 10 through 14. Then in verse number 15, the Bible says that the people cry out. And notice who they cry out to. This is important later. They cry out to Pharaoh because they think, you know, Pharaoh, please show mercy. You know, you've never required this of us before. So in verse 15, they cry out to Pharaoh, but Pharaoh shows no mercy to the children of Israel. And then in verse number 19, this is important also later, verse number 19 says, then they see that they're in trouble. They recognize that they're in trouble. And so then what do they do? They go to Moses and Aaron and they say, hey, guys, this is your fault that this is, has happened. And so they begin to complain to Moses and Aaron. And then in verses 22 and 23, look at those verses uh, if you would, this morning, then Moses turns to the Lord and says, Oh Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Why? God, what are you doing? You know, I've, I, I heard your voice. I know what you want. I tried to obey the best. I knew he was going to say no up front, but now things have gone from bad to worse, and God, I don't understand. Um, I don't understand why things have gotten worse. Um, we, may not, we may not always be surprised when things in life don't go the way that we would like for them to go, because how many knows that's life, right? Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Some things, sometimes things don't turn out the way that you wanted them to, the way that you expected them to, so we're all conditioned to expect that. However, when things go from bad to worse, um, especially when we have done what we think that we're supposed to do, we've done our very best, we, we know what God wants, we've heard his voice, and so we've tried to obey him. When things go from bad to worse, I mean, that can create questions and problems. God, what are you, what are you doing? I don't understand what's going on. Even Moses who had been told what to expect, is asking God, God, why have you done this? I, I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. And so what I want to do this morning, I want to spend just a little bit of time right here, and I want, you to ask, I want to ask you to think about this for a moment because this is, this is actually a, an important moment in, in the book of Exodus because it reveals a, a critical illusion that the devil often uses to deceive God's people. And the illusion is this. Ready? The illusion is Pharaoh is in control. Pharaoh is in control. At least that's how the illusion 
is presented here in this chapter of Exodus. Pharaoh is in control. In his most basic form, the, the deception is this. The deception that the devil uses is this. There are people, there are forces, there are events, there are circumstances in my life that are beyond or at least outside of somehow God's control. Something else is in control. Because God wants this, but this is happening. So the illusion is that there is someone, something in my life that is outside of God's control. And in fact, that's how Pharaoh sees himself in this passage. Do you notice when Moses says to, to him, this is what the Lord says, and again, that word is capitalized. Remember what, what that means? That means that that is Jehovah, that is Yahweh. So when Moses goes to Pharaoh, he says, this is what Yahweh says. This is what the, the I am says. He says, uh, when, when, when Moses says that to Pharaoh, Pharaoh replies, how? He says, who is, who is Yahweh? I don't know who Yahweh uh, is. Who is Yahweh that I should obey him? And he goes on to say, I don't, I don't know who Yahweh is. And, and this is key because Pharaoh is not, he's not merely saying, I don't know his identity. I don't know who he is. Pharaoh's not just questioning God's identity. Pharaoh is actually rejecting his authority. He's saying, who is Yahweh? I don't know who Yahweh is. Who is he that I should obey him? I'm Pharaoh. Don't you know that, that I'm the king of, of Egypt? So he is rejecting God's authority. He's saying, I don't care who Yahweh is. I'm Pharaoh, and you are under my authority. And I'll tell you what you can do, and I'll tell you what you can't do. And not only am I not going to let you go, but I'm going to make your life harder on you. I'm going to make your life more difficult. Now, let me emphasize this morning, this is, as I said, this is a complete illusion. It is a complete illusion that the enemy uses to try to deceive God's people. It's an absolute lie. Amen? It's an absolute lie because, listen, we know who is in control. <laughs> Don't we? Should have got a better amen on that one. I said, we know who is in control, don't we? His name is Yahweh. Moses knew that. He knew, no, you're not in control. God's in control. And so this is a complete illusion that the enemy uses to try to deceive God's people. We know that God is in control. Yahweh is in control. He is the eternal, omnipotent God. He is the Lord over all creation. But look at how effective this deception is that the enemy uses. It says in verse number 15 that the people start crying out for, to who? To Pharaoh. Because they're duped by this illusion. They think Pharaoh is in control. So they begin to cry out to Pharaoh for mercy as if he 
is the one who can save them. As if he is the one who will show them mercy. And by verse number 22, even Moses has, has his doubts. Oh, Lord. In fact, notice when he says, oh, Lord, verse number 22, small, uh, small letters. Capital L, small letters. He's not saying Yahweh. He's saying, oh, Lord, I thought you were in control. Uh, but by verse 22, even Moses is shaken a little bit. He has his own doubts. Oh, Lord, why have you done this evil? Evil, imagine that. He's saying he's attributing evil to the Lord. He says, why have you done this evil to this people? Why did you even send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, listen, this is what he has done. He has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Now, how many knows that's, that's an amazing accusation for a man to make against the Almighty God? Wouldn't you agree? That, listen, since I came, who, Lord, why did you do this? Why have you done this evil to these people? Since I've come to Moses, he's done all these things to your people, and you haven't done anything, God. You haven't done anything to deliver your people. That's an amazing accusation. And listen, God might have taken him to task over it if this was not all part of the plan and as it turns out it was it's all part of God's plan in fact God God allowed Pharaoh to have the illusion of control so that in front of the eyes of the whole world so in front of the eyes of all of Egypt in front of the eyes of all of Israel, in front of the eyes of the entire world, God could completely destroy Pharaoh's power and make a marvelous display of his own grace and his own glory. It's a setup. It's all part of God's plan. This is, <laughs> this is wonderful. This is drama. I mean, Hollywood and Netflix doesn't have anything on this. <laughs> God is, is weaving a wonderful story, something that he's about to do in front of the eyes of Israel and in front of the eyes of Egypt. There are, there are illustrations that I thought of to include here that illustrate what God is, is doing here, but um, a few of them were too violent to, to show you this one. One of them was a famous scene from the Raiders of the Lost Ark. How many have seen Raiders of the Lost Ark? So there's this famous scene in uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark where Indiana Jones is fighting off all of these assassins. Remember this scene? And, immediate, and, and soon the crowd parts, and there's this intimidating swordsman that shows up on the other side, and all of the people stand back because they think, okay, Indiana Jones is getting ready to get it right now. And the swordsman, um, he performs several impressive flourishes with his sword, and he's swinging his sword all around, and everybody's watching him, and they think Indiana Jones is about, that he's in trouble. And then Indiana Jones calmly pulls out a gun and shoots him, and the guy dies. <laughs> There's another uh, a video that I've seen a while back, two men who are about to compete in what, I don't know, I guess I'm assuming it's a mixed martial arts contest. And one man stands quietly and calmly by while the other, other man prances around the ring and he does 
flips and he does kicks and he does all of these martial arts moves and all of these demonstrating all these fighting techniques but when the bell rings he quickly hits the ground like a sack of potatoes when the quiet guy just decks him with one hand and he hits the floor <laughs> um, that's what's going on here God's setting Pharaoh up God's setting him up God allows Pharaoh to boast and he allows Pharaoh to brag he lets, he lets Pharaoh flaunt his pride and he lets him flex his puny little power because soon he's going to humiliate Pharaoh and he's going to destroy him with the decisive force of his mighty right hand. God is in control. God is in control. Listen, you should never doubt it. But you sometimes will. You should never doubt it, but you sometimes will. Because what the devil does is he continues to, he continues to make effective use of that ancient illusion, doesn't he? He tries to convince you that he's in competition with God. And who is God? I don't, I'm not going to obey God. God may have said this, but I'm going to make your life miserable. And I'm going to make your life harder. He tries to convince us that he's in competition with God for control of our lives when in fact he himself knows that he is under God's control. That he is under God's control. Moses knew that. Because God revealed that to him. He said, remember, I am the great I am. There is no one over me. There is no one equal to me. All power and authority is under me. I am the transcendent God. Moses knew that because God had revealed himself to him as the great I am. But when things went from bad to worse, even Moses began to, began to doubt. And so what God does next is great. God begins to remind him. So follow along, open your Bibles back up if you haven't, if you closed them, open them back up to Exodus chapter 6. Follow along as I read verses 1 through 8 of Exodus chapter 6. And here's what I want you to do. As I read these verses, I want you to notice how many times God reminds Moses of who he is, of who he is. Verse, uh, chapter 6, beginning of verse number 8. But the Lord said to Moses, so Moses is beginning to doubt. Lord, what? what's going on? I don't understand. But the Lord said to Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. Verse 2, God spoke to Moses and he said to him, I am the Lord. I am the I am, right? I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but my name, the Lord, I am, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slave, slaves. 
and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the I am. I am the Lord's. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will deliver you from slavery to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people. And I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the I am. I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will bring you into the land that I swore to give Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the I am. It's like God is, God is saying to him, Moses, five times he uses his name for Moses. Four of those times um, he uses it with the same intentional structure that he used when he first revealed himself to Moses. I am the I am. I am the Almighty God. It's like God is saying to Moses, Moses, <laughs> do you remember who I am? Do you remember what I have promised that I'm going to do? Have you forgotten what I have said to you, are you afraid of Pharaoh? Do you think he is in control? Now you're going to see what I will do to Pharaoh. Now you're going to see that I've just set him. I've given him the illusion of control so that now I can destroy his power and display my grace to my people. It was all along, it was a setup. God was setting Pharaoh up. God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And listen, we'll see more of this. We'll talk more about it, maybe in some greater detail later. But God, God hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he could then destroy Pharaoh's power and so that he could deliver Israel from bondage without, without any misunderstanding about who is in control and who is in charge <laughs> and who got the credit. Can I say it again this morning? God is in control. That means he's in control of your life as well. Even, even when it seems that things go from bad to worse, God is in control. Even when it seems like things are out of control, God is in control. Say it this morning. God is in control. He is. It's hard to understand. Sometimes, hey, listen, sometimes we forget. Even Moses forgot, didn't he? Even Moses forgot. I can't always explain it. You can't always explain it. Either, there's only, the only thing we know, this, this thing, there is nothing and there is no one that is outside of the control of, so, of the sovereign, almighty God. He is in control. Amen? He's in control of your life. Even when things go from bad to worse, I don't understand it always. I sometimes get shaken up a little bit too and things 
don't go the way I want them to go. <laughs> but I have to remind myself, God is in control. God is in charge. Satan has no power, no authority over me that God does not give him permission in my life. And if he gives him permission, it's so that God can demonstrate some power or some glory in my life that I haven't even dreamed about or imagined yet because God is in control. So we don't always understand it. But there's, I'm to run through these real quick, but there's at least four there's at least four reasons why God allows things to get worse sometimes before they get better. First of all, in, in this passage anyway, um, the first reason was to increase Pharaoh's guilt. He let things get from, go from bad to worse because it increased Pharaoh's uh, guilt. And like I said, we'll say more about that later. But God, we know this, God gives an opportunity for everyone to be saved. God gives an opportunity for everyone to repent. We've, we've already talked about that this morning. And when we repent, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. But if we harden our hearts against God, then every, think about this, this is not something that's bright and cheerful to think about, so I'm just going to mention it. We're going to move on real quick, all right? But every time that we reject God's grace and mercy, it is proof against us on the day of judgment that God extended grace God extended mercy to us, and we rejected it. And so just like a great courtroom scene, I don't know if it's going to be a courtroom scene, but just like it, God's, God's word says that everybody who stands before God and is condemned before God will have no excuse. There will be none, there will be nobody said, yeah, but what about, yeah, but what about God? Because all of the evidence will be there, and God will say, no, you rejected me this time. You turned it away this time. You saw this. You had this opportunity, and you said, no, 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 no. And so it, the reason things went from bad to worse was because Pharaoh was digging his own grave, and he was increasing his own guilt before an almighty God so that when the hammer did come down on Pharaoh, there was no excuse. God destroyed Pharaoh because of Pharaoh's hard heart. And like I said, we'll talk more about that later. That's not a, like I said, it's not a cheerful thought, but it's, it's true. Amen? All right. <laughs> Number two, another reason that sometimes things go from bad to worse is, is to increase God's glory. To increase God's glory. So th sometimes things get worse because God's plan is to reveal more of his glory and more of his power. If Moses had walked into Pharaoh's office or throne room and said, hey, God says, let my people go, and Pharaoh had said, oh, okay, sure, go ahead and go, then Pharaoh, I mean, Moses might have walked out of there and said, hey, that turned out pretty good. Maybe I am a pretty good spokesman. Maybe I should, you know, apply for a job somewhere. In no, God wanted to remove all doubt that it was his power, his glory, that, re, that delivered Israel from Egypt. So reason number two is to increase his own glory. Number three, reason number three is to increase the groaning of God's people. To increase the groaning of God's people. Now that doesn't sound like a good reason, but it's a true reason. Remember I pointed out to you that in verse number 15, 
as things went from bad to worse, the nation of Israel did what? They called out to Pharaoh and said, hey, have mercy on us, save us. And then remember I pointed out in verse number 19, what does it say in verse number 19? Then they realized they were in trouble. And so after verse 19, then they begin to call out on somebody else besides Pharaoh. Sometimes things have to go from bad to worse to cause us to call out to God. Say, God, we need you. God, we need your help. Why do I think things are going from bad to worse in our nation? I think one of the reasons certainly is so that we as a nation will call out to God and say, God, we need your help. <laughs> Washington's done failed us. Republicans and Democrats, it doesn't make any difference. Washington's no help. God, we need your help. And so sometimes God allows things to go from bad to worse to increase the groaning of his people so that we'll call upon him, draw near to him, depend upon him. And then number four, sometimes things, God allows things to go from bad to worse, to worse to increase our experience of God's goodness when he saves us, to increase our appreciation for what God does in our life when he saves us. Flip back over to chapter 6, those verses um, that we read earlier. God said, listen, now you're going to see what I'm going to do to Pharaoh. Here's what I'm going to do. And so he says, I've established my covenant with your fathers. I've, I've not forgotten my covenant. I'm a covenant-keeping God. I'm going to keep my promises uh, to my people. And listen, look at all the things that he says that he is going to do. I will bring you out. I will deliver you from slavery. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. I will take you to be my people. I will be your God. I will bring you into the land that I swore to Abraham and to Isaac. And I will give it to you as a possession. Sometimes God lets things go from bad to worse so that we, in fact, let me say it this way. Sometimes the harsh conditions of uh, the circumstances that God allows in our heart or, or in our life helps us to appreciate the salvation that we receive when Jesus Christ does what he has promised to do. It's just like when when Natalie was singing that song, that there's no one that's too lost, there's no one too dirty, there's no one that's gone too far. Probably if you've experienced God's grace and his mercy, your mind was going back to where he saved you from. So some of the things that he has done in your life, and, you, and you're able to say this morning, oh, I remember, I remember back then, and I remember how God came through in my life. I remember when I was sick, and I remember how God healed me miraculously. How many, how many have that kind of memory? You were sick, and God healed you miraculously. How many of you, you've ever been in trouble before, and God saved you out of trouble? How many of you, you've ever had problems with a husband or a spouse? Don't raise your hand this morning. <laughs> but God gave grace and mercy. Oh, we could... Listen, we could go on and on and on this morning, couldn't we? Of pits that we've been in, troubles that we've faced, trials that we've gone through, and we all have a story of how God brought us out. Amen. And he is a faithful God. 
sometimes things go from bad to worse so that when we're on the other side of that trial, we can say, <laughs> I remember what I was going through. But God is good. God is good. So sometimes God allows those things so we can experience, have a greater experience of God's grace and his mercy in, in his life. So God reassured Moses. He said, listen, I'm, I am the I am. Don't be afraid of Pharaoh. I'm setting Pharaoh up. Now you're going to see what I'm going to do to old Pharaoh. You're going to see my salvation. So don't worry about Pharaoh. Um, but how many knows that even when we understand, it's hard to understand sometimes. Even when we understand, it's, sometimes it's hard to believe. In fact, Exodus chapter 6 verse 9 says that Moses tried to explain this to the people of Israel. He tried to, tried to let them know, no, listen, God is, God's in control. He's the great I am. Don't worry about what Pharaoh is threatening to do. God's, God's got it. He's going to fulfill his promises but that verse says that the people didn't listen because their spirit was broken. Their spirit was broken, and, and they were enduring such harsh slavery. Even Moses continued to struggle with doubts, it seems. Verses 11 and 12 demonstrate that. But verse 13 says that the Lord spoke to them, and he gave them a charge. I, I believe that means that God was encouraging Moses and Aaron. He said, hey, guys, don't worry. Don't worry, it's going to be all right. You're going to see. I've got a plan. I'm setting Pharaoh up. I'm using this for my glory. So he was encouraging them. He was giving them hope for what was to come. He was showing them how, how God was going to use this. God was going to bring glory out of it. He was telling them, this, this is going to serve. Listen, guys, this is going to serve my greatest my greater purpose for you and for Israel. And here's the thing. Moses and Aaron had to take God at his word. They had to choose to believe God's report. They had to choose to believe that God meant what he said, that he was a covenant-keeping God. So this morning, we also have to choose to believe the Lord's report, don't we? Even when things are going wrong in our life, even when things go from bad to worse, we have to make a decision. Am I going to believe my circumstances? Am I going to believe that ancient illusion that there's some things that are outside of God's control and God, what's going on? I don't understand this. We've got to choose whether we're going to believe the devil or we've got to choose whether we're going to believe the report of the Lord who says, no, listen, I'm in control. I've got a purpose in this. I am the great I am. <laughs> And I'm going to turn this thing around to bring glory and, and honor to you. I choose to believe the report of the Lord. Amen? Who's with me this morning? I choose to believe the report of the Lord. In fact, before we close, I'm going to ask, who's coming to the piano, Pastor Blood? Okay, come to the piano. Before we close, as Pastor Belinda comes to the piano, if you have your Bibles, I want you to flip over real quick to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53. You can mark this in your Bible. You probably, you've already got it marked in your Bible. But let me read this as Pastor Belinda begins to play this morning. Isaiah says, who has believed what he has heard from us? 
So who has believed our report? And listen, this is the report. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he, now, who are we talking about now? We're talking about Jesus. For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. And he had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. But look at verse number four. Surely he has borne our griefs and he has carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him, we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his wounds we are healed. <laughs> I'm sure the disciples thought that the crucifixion was the absolute lowest point of their experience. God, what are you doing? <laughs> Jesus Christ came. We thought he was the Messiah. We thought he was going to deliver us and he was going to save us. And now he's been crucified. In fact, we know that because they scattered after the crucifixion. They thought, they thought what? Satan had won. Satan had won. There was something, this was outside of God's control. They thought that this was the lowest point. <laughs> but how many knows that the lowest point, God was working a great victory, amen? Just like he did against Pharaoh, and he told Moses, he said, oh, no, 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 don't worry about this. I know you're concerned. You've seen things go from bad to worse, and you're wondering, God, what is going on? What's what's happening but God says I've got this now you're gonna see what I'm gonna do to Pharaoh I'm gonna destroy his power I'm gonna reveal my grace and my glory and that's just what he did with Jesus Christ amen through Jesus Christ the Bible says God destroyed the works of powers and principalities and put them on open display so that he might show his grace and his goodness to us. Aren't you thankful that he did that? Aren't you thankful? That gives me encouragement this morning to know that no matter how bad things seem, I know God's in control. And I know Jesus Christ died for me, that he's my Savior and he's my Lord. And he's got whatever's going on in my life. I can trust him with it. Would you stand to your feet? Thank you for listening today. If you have any questions or would like more information about following Jesus Christ, please contact us at gladtidings.church. If you live near Dunn, North Carolina, please consider visiting our church on Sunday mornings at 1030. You can also download our church app in the iTunes or Google Play app store and receive updates and notifications. You may use the app to make a financial gift to help support our ministry. God bless you.